You're listening to the Sermon Podcast from Real Life on the Palouse, reaching the world for Jesus, one person at a time. Welcome. We're glad that you're here. I'm here with my compadre, Adam McKeldry. Good morning. We are wrapping up our Sabbath series uh, today with questions that we have received from many of you over this time. So there's three of us that will be answering these questions. Uh, one of us is not here at this particular location, but you guys will see that shortly uh, as we go through these questions. My hope for this Sabbath series for all of us is that it caused us to dig deeper into understanding what does it look like to be arrested, restored, active believer in God that actually sits with the creator on a specific time that clears the calendar and says, God, what do you want for me? What do you want? And I hope that we, we've answered some of those questions along the way. I hope we've, I, as I started to reflect about this series, I was like, yep, I'm good with all the Ten Commandments. I know about all of them. I was a uh, travel agent, right? Some of them I've been more than travel agent. I've been a tour guide. I've been there. And some of them I'm local. But I wasn't local. I didn't dwell with the Sabbath, and uh, it's interesting some of the questions that we get and how we're working through those, like, well, what about this and what about that? And so we'll answer some of those today, but my hopes are that, that this has propelled you forward in your Sabbath walk. So, Adam, what is the first question? Well, I think we need to have our uh, mystery guest introduce themselves first. Okay. Mystery guest, introduce yourself. Hey, everybody. My name is Marty Solomon. For those of you who don't know me, and it's a joy to be able to join you for today's discussion. Uh, I lived on with my wife and family. We lived on the Palouse uh, for just about 10 years. Uh, We moved away, uh, let's see, this last June. Uh, June of 2020, we moved to Cincinnati, Ohio. So if you're uh, new Uh, to the community there. You may not know who I am, or if you came in towards the end of our time there, you may not have gotten to know me as well, but uh, we served, um, I served on the teaching team for uh, many of those 10 years, probably seven uh, of those last 10 years, seven or eight of those last 10 years. Uh, I served on the teaching team for the church there in different capacities, and so I was a relatively regular face around um, the neighborhood, and uh, people got used to hearing my voice. So um, I'm excited to be able to sit here and take some questions that came in about Sabbath. My family um, has a, a Jewish heritage, and and so um, we have been well acquainted with Sabbath in so many ways and have enjoyed teaching our kids about Shabbat and uh, letting Shabbat inform and change our experience. So it's great to be able to talk to you today, and I look forward to it. All right. So we're super excited about being able to do this. So just so you know, a caveat up front here, we are not expecting like, oh, well, this is the authority. If Josh Gray answered it that way, obviously that is crystal clear and it's perfect and, and he knows. Um, so this is a research process. And I hope that this, this time propels you into researching and diving deeper. A good rabbi would never really answer your question, right? They would leave you with more questions that would keep you on the seeking journey to continue to look and see for God's truth and what it would be in your life. So we're not saying that we have the uh, absolute authority and we've answered every question perfectly up here, but this is us in our exploratory process as well. So, yeah. So Josh, our first question that came in over the last couple of weeks is, uh, why do Christians observe the Sabbath on Sunday instead of on Saturday? Well, I don't know if many Christians observe the Sabbath really, uh, but we're working on it, right? 
We're, we're working on, on what does that look like. So Saturday versus Sunday, uh, the short of it, as I researched it, was that this is the new creation. So the Lord rested on the seventh day of the creation. And when he rested on that seventh day, that was, uh, that was uh, the Saturday, that was the Sabbath day. And you can look through all the texts, and there's a bunch of pieces pointing to that Sabbath is on the Saturday uh, from uh, just Jesus' death. They, they were, he died on the day of preparation, Good Friday, right? And Saturday, they didn't do anything, and then they ran to the grave on Sunday. And so the short of it is um, that what we justify now, or what we would say now, is that the Sunday is this new creation. We celebrate the resurrected Christ because he rose from the dead on Sunday. And so since we're under this new creation, this new, we believe in Jesus as, as our Lord and Savior, Sunday is the day that we celebrate Sabbath. And I try and even separate like, well, Sunday's, Sunday is the day we go to church, or is Sunday the day we observe Sabbath, or is Sunday the, what is Sunday? It's more than the NFL. It's more than those things. But the history of this, kind of like where you could trace it back to where it started to change, is uh, Justin Martyr in uh, AD 155. So 155 years uh, after uh, Jesus' uh, passing, says, uh, But Sunday is the day on which we hold our common assembly, because it is the first day on which God, having wrought a change in darkness and matter, made the world, and Jesus Christ, our Savior, on that same day, rose from the dead. And this is 155 years uh, after uh, Jesus. So the big struggle here was they're trying to figure out, as they started to separate between uh, Jews and Christians, is like, well, what makes us Jewish, and what makes us Christian, and why are we different? And there's this battle to not be Jewish, and you see that throughout the text of like, well, do we have to hold to this? And do we have to hold to this? And do we have to hold to this? Where there's this battle of like, what, what are we? Um, another piece of it is, is uh, uh, March 7th, uh, 321 AD, uh, Constantine the Great changed Sabbath to uh, Sunday. So uh, Constantine the Great made a change there. There's also the Council of Laodicea. Uh, and that was in, let me think here. Uh, 363 to 364. And this was a, a, a really where they kind of dove in and they were trying to separate themselves from being Jewish. In the Ju- and, and they really even said it to this way. Christians must not Judaize by resting on the Sabbath, but must work on that day, rather honoring the Lord's day. And if they can rest, resting, on, uh, resting then as Christians. But if any shall be found to be Judaizers, let them be uh, anathema from, the, from Christ. Let them be excommunicated. And that came out of a council. So that can kind of see the roots of where this started to happen was pretty early on in the struggle. So is it right to be on this day or right to be on this day on those things? I don't know. Are you observing Sabbath on any day? How's that going for us? Let's start there and then we can start working on which day is the right day. So uh, hopefully uh, if you have more questions on that, I can shoot you resources and all that good stuff. Let's take a look at this next question. Uh, Marty, what can Sabbath look like for college students, and what are some ways that uh, we can build a Sabbath culture around college campuses? How many college folks in here? Woohoo! Thank you for the question. Let's take a look at this guy. So this question was a two-parter um, revolving around campus ministry, which is obviously close to my heart. Um, I'm the president of Impact Campus Ministries, and so uh, I-, I love a question about college culture and campus culture. And so this question was two parts. It said, number one, uh, how, what, is, what can Sabbath look like for college students? And number two, um, how do we build a Sabbath culture 
in in a college in a campus context on campus even in a, in a literal sense I, I love that second question but let me answer the first one um, what, what can Sabbath look like for college students um, it, it can look like it's going to look like a, a very similar struggle that it looks like for everybody else so college is obviously a, a completely unique time um, there's not another time like it you're on your own you're you've been used to school but now you're experiencing school on an entirely different level um, workload on an entirely different level with your own um, initiative your own autonomy and so it's a completely unique time it's also a very just common human experience on other levels so on one side it's very unique on another side it's very just common life is never going to stop being busy ever um, the kind of busyness that you experience will change. Your energies will shift. Um, priorities will evolve. Families will grow. Um, the way that the time commitments come at you, the way that the business comes at you, that, that evolves and develops and changes over time, no doubt. Um, but you will never stop being busy. Uh, college is not unique in that regard. And so what does it mean to observe Sabbath as a college student? It means making the same sacrifices that all of us ha- have to figure. And they're, re- they're really not sacrifices, are they? They're gifts. And so, yes, you have a bunch of homework. Yes. Yes, you might even have a job. And yes, these are very unique times. Like life won't look like that in, in, at any other stage typically. And yet workloads never change. There's always more to do at every stage in life, no matter what you do. There's always more to be done. There's always more money to be made. There's always more chores around the house. There's always something. Um, Sabbath is a day where you stop doing that something. Sabbath is a time. Sabbath is a space where you unplug because there's always more to do. But the work on this day is done, even if it's not. Sabbath is a day that you unplug because the work is done, even if the work isn't done. Um, and so it's it's a day or it's a space where no matter what you have on your to-do list, six days do your work. You, you know, get up early, stay up late, cram for tests, do all, six days you may do your work, God says, but the seventh is to be holy. And so Sabbath is this space, it's this time that you dedicate, you put aside, you consecrate it, you, set a, you make it holy because my, my schoolwork the things that I have to do, all the responsibility, it doesn't get to touch this space. And that space will be unbelievably important to your emotional health, your spiritual health, your mental health. Um, And if there's ever a generation that has understood the importance of mental and emotional health, it's, it's, it's your generation. And so keep, protect Sabbath. I love the last question. How do we create a Sabbath culture on campus? Um, campus culture is designed around production and performance. Everything all around you. There are metrics for performance. You know this. Everything about your college experience is about making the grade, showing up for the thing, passing the class, being good enough, getting ranked. Everything is about to create. How can you, and I don't have an answer, but I love the question, And more and more, I love the question. I actually am going to ask all of our students everywhere to wrestle with this question. How do you create a Sabbath culture on campus? Because what you're going to do by asking that and implementing your answers is you're going to do something countercultural. You're going to do something very gospel-centric. You are going to be able to, what can you do 
practically, literally, physically, to tell your subculture, your dorm floor, your frat house, your whatever, physical spaces on campus, how can you create literal spaces, metaphorical spaces, where people are reminded that it's not about their performance? How can you create spaces on campus, cultural space, where you can just be? Where you can just be? Um, I love that question. Uh, You will come up with more unique answers than I will sitting in this chair in Cincinnati, Ohio. Think about your spaces that you occupy. And where would it be so powerful to have a space where you could just say, hey, if if you're welcome to just come step over here to this space, to this relationship, to this environment, to this time of your week. If you step into this time, it's no longer about how good you are, what grade you got, what rank you are, but how much progress you've made. This space, it's just about you being you and knowing that you're accepted, knowing that you're okay, knowing that you're loved, and being able to just breathe easy. Ah, I love that question. Great question. That is a great question, right? And it's not that much different for us that aren't in college anymore. And where would we learn to be busy and to be graded on metrics and how much we produce and all of those things? Where would that come out of? And I love the phrase creating that space, creating that space for all of us to enter into that time of rest and communication and being filled back up and doing that all over the community. So I love that. Great question. Uh, Adam. What about just doing Sabbath kind of like throughout the week? Maybe an hour here, an hour there. Is that still Sabbath if I just kind of pick at it? Yeah, good question. Uh, no. Next question. <laughs> rule follower. Yeah. So, uh, that's my rule following Pharisee mind coming out there. Sorry. Um, actually, as I, I reflected on this more, I got to think about who Jesus was and the things that we see about who he was and how he handled Sabbath and what he called us to do with Sabbath. And I started to come up with not such a concrete answer. I began to ask, like, why? Why are we asking that question? What is the heart behind why we're asking if we can Sabbath throughout the week instead of taking a day? And I would say if the heart is because... Like, we're not real sure if we even want to do Sabbath, but here we are seven weeks into a Sabbath series, and we're feeling guilty that we haven't been taking a day off and resting. I would say that you're having the wrong attitude and wrong heart towards what Sabbath is, what that invitation is. But perhaps if you are sitting there and you're like, I don't really know what Sabbath is like. I'm not sure how to experience it. My schedule's crazy, like what Marty was talking about with college students. We all are experiencing that. Like, I don't even know where to start. I think maybe this might be a good place to start, to experience Sabbath. But it goes back to also what we talked about earlier on in this, this series, is making sure that it's an intentional, substantial time, right? And it's a, it's a place to start, not a place to finish, it's a place to start, not a place to finish. I think about like when you go on vacation, it usually takes a day to relax and decompress and forget about all the things that you left behind. I think that's what the full day of Sabbath gives us, 
is that opportunity to have extended period of time to just decompress, let go, and be able to really accept that invitation that God has, has given us, that invitation to, to enter into his rest, to let our bodies and our minds and our spirits to, to be renewed and rejuvenated. Um, and he, he made that time for us to be able to stop, stop creating and to uh, be recreated. Um, Josh, our next question is something that I've wondered myself too over the course of my life is, are we still under the law? I thought that we were saved by grace. Yeah, that's a great question, right? That's, that's, we, we can see that all through scripture and that, again, that, that wrestling that's happening, uh, with Paul and with, with different pieces of scripture of like, wait a minute, are we, are we supposed to try and be Jewish? Are we supposed to try and keep and hold all these laws and all of these things? I thought that we were saved by grace. And so therefore these things don't apply, uh, to us anymore. And so, uh, in the context of Sabbath, I would just go back and look at all of the 10 commandments and just for us to be like, okay, what? And as I started wrestling with this question, I was like, why this one? Why would that question, and this is no offense to whoever came with that question, but why would that question apply to this commandment? And as you walk through the, 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 the Ten Commandments, and, and uh, I think Marty's going to get into a little bit differently about the, the works of the law, and law, you know, mixmatse, matara, he'll say it better, things that make one Jewish, and then things that are just like ethical and moral law. But let's, let's rephrase that question and look at it in the light of the context around the Ten Commandments. You know, I thought that we were saved by grace, so does that mean that I could have other gods before me since I'm saved by grace? No, we wouldn't, we would say no. Uh, Does that mean that I can make uh, idols and images uh, of other things before me since I'm saved by grace? Nope, nope, I don't think so. Uh, Does that mean uh, that that I could misuse the name of the Lord uh, since I'm saved by grace? Does that mean that I could murder? Does that mean that I could steal? Does that mean that I could commit adultery? Does that mean that I could do all of these things all in the Ten Commandments because I'm saved by grace? then why would Sabbath get excluded from there? Why, and, and what is the heart behind Sabbath as we see Jesus bringing it back to full tuition? What is the heart behind Sabbath? Does God want his people to be rested and represent him really, really well and have a very intimate relationship with him? If I treated my relationship with my wife like I had treated my relationship with Sabbath, I would be divorced. just when it's convenient, when it's close. So, so I get the question, like, yes, we are, as Gentiles, we're not trying to be Jewish. We are saved by grace, uh, uh, you know, but not by, by our works. But that doesn't mean when we get to these ideas of principles, like, is it a good principle to not murder people? Will that help lead more people to Jesus? Not to murder them with our mouths, not to murder them within our hearts, and not to physically murder them. Is that a good idea? Right? Why would we separate Sabbath out of all of that and pick that one to be like, eh, that's Jewish. That's not us. That's my answer to that question. Yeah, uh, Marty has some, because we have another question that is, how do we distinguish between the Sabbath law from other Jewish laws, which kind of goes with what you were just talking about, and Marty addressed that as well. 
This second question is one of my favorites. This question is about how do we distinguish between Sabbath and Shabbat versus other laws that we would call Jewish law, like we don't eat kosher, we don't wear tassels, we don't, like there's all kinds of things in Torah that we don't observe. Why are we observing Sabbath? Like what what makes that different? It's a great question. And the quick answer is that Torah has always, we now know based on things we found in the Dead Sea Scrolls, that Second Temple Judaism, the Judaism of Jesus, the Judaism of the Bible, of the New Testament, uh, they saw Jewish law in three different categories. And it will be helpful for this conversation. They understood what they called cultic law, which is what you needed a temple for. If it required a priesthood, an altar, or a temple, that's cultic law. So everything sacrifice, all of that, that's cultic law. Then you had ethical law. Ethical law would be, it just, it just is, it's ethical, it's just true. It doesn't matter who you are, Jew or Gentile or whatever. Ethical law just is true. It's about just being a part of creation. It has nothing to do with being Jewish or being circumcised or anything like that. It just is. And a great example of ethical law is Ten Commandments. Like, do not murder. It's just a great idea, no matter who you are, no matter what covenant you might be under, no matter Jew or Gentile, don't murder don't commit adultery, don't steal from other people, no idolatry. These are just these are just good ideas for anybody. It's just ethical law. And then there's the other portion of the law. The largest portion of the law is what's called the mixat ma'aseh haTorah. Mixat ma'aseh haTorah. And that translates as the works of Torah. The works of the law. Now, most of Torah, most of your Levitical code, almost all of your Levitical code, is mixat ma'aseh Torah. It's the part of the law that makes you Jewish. So, yes, you don't eat kosher. Yes, you don't wear tassels. Yes, you don't necessarily circumcise your sons because of some covenant. Yes, that's all mixat ma'aseh Torah. I think many of us in our mind put Sabbath and Shabbat uh, observance in that category, in that category, that third category of Jewish law, and yet, where does Sabbath show up? The Ten Commandments. Where does Sabbath show up for the very first time? Genesis one. Well, there are no Jews in Genesis one. There is no circumcision in Genesis one. Genesis Sabbath is about all of creation. Sabbath is about creation. It's not about Judaism. Sabbath is not a Jewish idea. Sabbath is a is a God idea. Sabbath isn't something for the children of Israel. Sabbath is something that God put in creation. And Sabbath is always connected to creation. Like when God sends his people to Babylon into exile, one of the things he said is that you're going to go into exile one year for every year that you didn't rest, every Sabbath year that you didn't rest the land. Sabbath is deeply connected with and intertwined with creation itself. So it has nothing to do with the Jewish covenant. It has everything to do with being human, being creatures, being a part of God's creation. Sabbath is about creation rhythm. And Sabbath is a great idea for everyone, Jew and Gentile, no matter who we are. Are there distinctions in the law? Yes, there are. And 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 I believe Sabbath falls on a, uh, a creation side, an ethical side. It's just about the way the world is designed. It's not about who you are as a Jew. And so that's that's what I would say to that question. Great question. Yeah, we're designed, I know those kind of overlap, but we're designed to need rest. We're designed to need a creator. We're designed to have that, that still, those still moments of hearing the wind flow through God's creation. 
to appreciate and to see what God has for us. So I, again, I would agree with that, uh, that it's not a, a Jewish issue. It's a ethical issue. It's a something that, yep, we're built that way. We're built that way. Adam, can you uh, provide some like uh, some real world examples of how uh, Jesus's followers practice Sabbath? Uh, yeah. So my best example would probably be what I've been trying to do in my own life. But as I read this, I was wondering if they were also asking about, is there examples throughout the text where people that were following Jesus were actually still observing Sabbath? And one thing you kind of hinted at it earlier was, if you look in Luke 23, after Jesus is crucified and he's buried, the, the women who are going, who followed where he was being buried, they didn't stay there. They didn't prep his body like they wanted to because Sabbath started. And I think that's a pretty good indication that Jesus' followers still believe that Sabbath was an important part of their spiritual lives. Um, throughout history, we've seen in the Christian church with the Sunday thing, Constantine making it a law. Uh, in our own country, we call them blue laws back in the day. Um, some of you are are mature enough to know or remember when Sundays nothing was open, everything was closed because it was the Lord's Day and that was laws in states. Uh, it's not necessarily how it is now. But um, as I think about examples for what Sabbath looks like for a Jesus follower, I got, what we've been telling you guys throughout this thing is you have to figure out what that exactly means for you. For me, I'm still developing that. My family, we've been talking about it every week. Uh, we've been starting on Friday nights and somebody in our life group found this really cool Sabbath prayer. And so we've been starting our Sabbath off. We sit down for dinner. We read this three through this prayer. And we have dinner. And then we uh, just kind of hang out as a family. For me, Sabbath has really become about spending intentional time with my family. Because so much of the rest of my week is going and doing and, and being with other people that my family, feel I think, feels a little neglected. And so we started off like that. Saturday is, you know, just a time for my wife and I to hang out or for my, my daughter and I. Last Yesterday, Kathy and I spent all the, or a few hours and put together a puzzle start to finish. It was a, it was a great puzzle, great time to be, uh, feel successful. Um, but we also ended the night, I found another prayer. I was like, man, this is a great prayer of just, just being able to finish the night and be intentional and... Uh, I try to mix in there some good intentional time where I'm asking the Lord to just be working on my heart and revealing things. And that's the really scary part about uh, trying to be intentional about my Sabbath time is because I know God is going to start revealing things within me that I'm not going to like. Um, so that that kind of makes me want to not do Sabbath anymore. But I know that this is going to be a time for me to grow. It's It's kind of like a spiritual discipline, really. And... Uh, there's a family in my life group who have small kids, and one of the things that they shared with us at life group is it's really difficult for them to have a Sabbath day because of the kids. And what they have done, decided to do is they're like, okay, I'm going to go take 30 minutes and bang on the drums. You have the kids. Okay, I got the kids. So he gets to go and, and have some time where he can just rejuvenate his spirit and vice versa. Um, but Marty also addresses that specific question, because I know there's a lot of young families in here, and they're wondering, how in the world do I find Sabbath when I have little kids? So he's got a couple of good ideas for us uh, as our last question. 
Uh, this question is a good one, and I get it more and more and more these days. This question is, how do you practice Sabbath or pursue Sabbath at all when you have young children who, just by by existing in your household, are a drain on your energy? And it's such a great question. I give two quick answers to this. One of those is to just give yourself a load of grace. Um, like, make sure you're never viewing Sabbath as this burdensome restrictive, I have to do this right. Sabbath is supposed to be a gift. Jesus said, Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So Sabbath is supposed to be a gift. So number one, little children are only little children for a while. Uh, This is only going to be a season. And it might be a season where you struggle to find and define Sabbath. Be okay with that. Be okay with the fact that Sabbath is going to be tricky for a while because then they're going to be five and then they're going to be 10 and then they're going to be 13. And all of a sudden those problems that that's actually in the span of a lifetime. That's actually not that long of a time. Enjoy this season while it's here. Don't let it burden you, which leads me to my second point, which is you won't be able to structure this time like you will in other seasons, pre kids or when your kids start to grow up and get older, you'll be able to structure Sabbath in a way that's a little bit more efficient and effective in this more chaotic time of having little kids. Um, find a way to simply change the rhythm. Like six days, your rhythms look like this. And on this day, you're going to shake it up in some way. There's something you're not going to do that you, you always just go, oh, but you're going to, this is one day you're going to be able to just not do that. Like maybe there are some chores that you would typically do making your bed and doing the, you know, whatever. And this is the day you just don't do that. Maybe it's a day that you engage a different kind of energy with your children. Like maybe you're just running, 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 and you're going to engage your children with a different kind of energy, a playful energy or a, a restful energy. Something that does, it may still take parenting energy units from you, but it also might find a way to, to, to energize you differently. So you may not find rest during the season. That's hard to come by when you got little kids, isn't it? But you might find a different kind of, a different kind of rest. It's not a rest that comes from here. It's a rest that comes from, and so you can find something that makes your soul. And I, I know I'm kind of talking like mystical talk right now, but it makes your souls go, <sighs> your body is like, still get it but your soul's going oh this feels good if you can find that a give yourself grace b find some kind of unique twist to the way you're spending your energy so that it tells you a story inside of you all right so diving in to Sabbath. So there's more questions, and I'll try and uh, shoot those out in, in either in Facebook or whatever, some, some of the questions that we came up that we didn't get a chance to get to today. We're going to enter this time uh, of communion. So if you have your communion elements, go ahead and open those up. We have an open table here at uh, Real Life. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, we are excited for you to join uh, with us. Uh, if, if not, just let it pass by. So you guys work on that. But I want to close out this series with a couple couple things is is my hope is that through this series this discussion of sabbath that you would embrace this gift and it is a gift right do not do not do not do this remember to do this 
because it will provide rest for your souls. And God is concerned about your soul and he's concerned about your rest. And so uh, I would hope, my hope is that when you see this crazy world around us feeling like it's spinning out of control, that you would run and enter the rest of Jesus, not the chaos of the world. Don't join the chaos. Don't encourage the chaos. Join your Lord in rest. And Jesus came so that we could have that rest. Something to fall back in when stuff doesn't make sense. And I know for many of us in here right now, maybe your life right now doesn't make sense. But we're encouraged to take on his yoke, to take on his teachings, and to come to Jesus with that mindset and that heart of rest, and to rest well. And so, on that night that he was betrayed, he, he took the bread. And he was with his guys. And he had given thanks and he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's remember the rest of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And in the same way, he took the cup after uh, supper and he said, this, is, this cup is the, the new covenant in my blood. Do this. Whenever you drink of it, remember me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim his death until he comes again. Let's proclaim his death in rested and renewed souls. Father God, I am grateful that we would have uh, the opportunity to come together, to worship together, to, to look into your word deeper, to look and try and seek and understand, Lord, this is not the end of the Sabbath discussion. This is the, the beginning for many of us of our journey into a more meaningful, significant time with you. Lord, guide us and draw us into that time. Lord, I pray that Sabbath does not go away does not leave our hearts, it does not leave our minds, that we desire it, we look forward to that rest within you. I ask you would just open it up into everyone's mind here, what it looks like individually for them, not the method or the process or all those things, but Lord, what you know, you know what your people need. Text last week talked about, search me, oh God. I ask you would search all of us in here. Lead us to the rest that you know we need. Lead us to the restoration of our souls as we seek to become a restored people that can restore your people. And so, Father God, we just give this time to you. We praise you and we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for checking out this message from Real Life. You can find out more about us by visiting liferotp.com and connecting with us on Facebook and Instagram. Until next time, have a great week.